The information in this podcast is not a substitute for help from a licensed mental health professional. Welcome to the practice of being seen. I'm your host, Rebecca Wong, relationship therapist and founder of Connectfulness. I believe that when you truly see yourself, you create a ripple effect that allows you to be the change you wish to see in the world. And that invites everyone around you to do the same. In these curated discussions, I invite you to make space to see yourself. But here's a little warning. The practice of being seen might lead to deeper intimacy, less fear, and more creative, bold action. Are you ready to deepen your practice and be seen? If I'm, if I'm really clear, if I'm really honest, my understanding of the practice of being seen is that we're all on this journey. We're on a journey to learn as much about ourselves as we can and to grow in all the ways that make us a better human, a better human race. That save our planet, that save mankind. <laughs> and this, this is a really big ask of us. It's, I'm not sitting here and thinking that this isn't like ginormously wistful. And yet, if we don't dare to dream big, right? Like, if we don't go there. I mean, if they didn't dream up putting a man on the moon, would we have ever gone to the moon? So I'm daring. I'm just daring to dream about the possibilities of how could humans better the world? I mean, what would it take? What's the problem that we create? Doesn't it all have to do with how we see ourselves, how we think about ourselves? And if we could work through some of those blocks, if we could understand ourselves better and the people around us, then what kind of society could we dare to create? I'm inviting you to journey with me as I dive in and uncover my own truths as I peel back my shadows and take a look at the parts of me that I am daring to confront, to look at, and to see, what do I do with this part of myself? It might not be one of the parts I want to share with the world. So if I can discern that, then I can also rewire it. I can change it. So I'm, I'm bringing you on this journey with me as I have these musings and notice these pieces for myself. And as I dive into amazing conversations with people I admire, both within my field as a psychotherapist and outside my field as humans. You know, I'm definitely going to focus on the experience of myself as a therapist and my own growth. And one thing I know from all the consulting work that I've been doing with therapists lately is that, well, these are my people. <laughs> the, 
these are my people because we all look into the human psyche, into relationships in this really fascinated way. Like we totally geek out. I am this really sensory person who gets drawn into deeply into conversations and stories that might not always be mine. (laughs) Um, When I was in high school, I picked up a camera and the camera gave me the lens that said it's okay to look at the world. It changed a paradigm for me. And then later, that wasn't really the way that I was really comfortable seeing the world. I wanted to go deeper. It didn't feel deep enough. I remember when I was working as a photo researcher at Parade Magazine, and I was taking my first social work courses because there was something in a disconnect. I could have done really good things in the career of photo editing. And yet it just wasn't, um, it wasn't calling me. I wanted more. I didn't want to just look at people. I really wanted to understand them. And I wasn't heading off, you know, to faraway parts of the world with National Geographic. So (laughs) I went back to school for social work. And there I, I felt something different. I felt, I think I took human behavior number one, you know, like 101. And it was just this like, huh, I don't know, something clicked. It started to make sense. I understood why I had been studying art and film and why, you know, the creative parts of me kept looking back at my own childhood, looking back at the transgenerational stories that had been handed down to me. Maybe one day I'll talk more about that. But um, these, these parts of me were all there. They were all hanging out with me all the time, and I wanted to understand their impact. <sighs> so here in social work school, I started to find a piece of that. I started to understand it. And I'm in my master's program, and I decide this is it. I'm, I'm going back full time, and I took that leap. And I haven't looked back since. I really do enjoy this career that I've built um, around seeing people. And this is seeing people from the inside out, really understanding them. And it's vulnerable and courageous work that my clients do in here. Don't get me wrong. I see people. I know how to watch their bodies. I understand their psyches. I look deeply into their relationships. And... (laughs) I do it because these are the same things that I struggle with in my life. And I want to understand me better too. And we can all learn a lot from paying attention to one another. So you know, this this brings me to another observation I've had, and forgive me for bouncing around a little bit today, but I'm feeling a little bit inspired and I'm feeling ready to bring you on the journey. My husband, by the way, calls this the Becca train. And sometimes you have to decide if you want to get on the train. And then you do, and you take a little ride, and you pay attention the whole way. And sometimes you decide, no, you know what? This train is kind of exhausting today. I don't want to get on. So just let me know where it stops, and I'll meet you there. So that's our shorthand. So please, if this conversation is feeling wobbly to you and all over the place, and it's not really holding your attention, it's okay to go. You don't have to listen. I won't take any offense. And yet, if you're curious, then welcome to my brain. (laughs) 
<laughs> Gosh, this feels vulnerable and scary. And <sighs> I think I might need a little holding to publish it. But that's why I got my peeps. Anyway, where was I? Oh, my brain, the way it works. Yes. And understanding also that I'm incredibly human, just like the rest of you and your brains have their own way of working and they might not be mine. But do you know how yours works? Do you know how your partner's works? Um, do you know how your kids works? Do you know how your parents work? And how do all of those inner workings play with how we understand and get along with one another? There's a lot in there that I have no clue about. I'm really, really ignorant. But that's why I'm having all these conversations. These are different parts of ourselves that I want to be learning more about. And so you're going to come along on my tangents if they interest you. And therapists. Well, we, we all should technically have a little more interest or insight into how these parts of ourselves work. I mean, this is what we study, right? And do we? And what if parts of ourselves scare us? Do we look deeper? And if we don't do these parts of our own work, then how far can we take our clients on theirs? And so I have this like special place in my heart for doing this work with therapists because as much as I love doing it in my own life and as, as, as much as I'm enriched by sharing these conversations with others, I'm also really aware that therapists need really safe places to explore this with people who get it. And so that's one of my offerings, one of the journeys that I love taking and that you may even hear sometimes here on the practice of being seen. And often it's interesting, you know, we're talking about being seen and we're talking about this practice of being seen. And so for me, this really falls in line with connectfulness in many ways in terms of how I feel that this is a, a way of being in the world. And again, We'll talk more about this in the future, but practice of being seen often gets jumbled into this like business marketing formulation. And I totally believe that there's merit and room for it there. And yet I don't think that that's all encompassing of what we are. And this is one of the places where I get really confused about how do I, how do I present myself? Like, how do I help you, my listener, my audience know what I'm putting forth into the world. I mean, cause I don't even know it sometimes. <laughs> so how do I do this? And this is where I think branding really helps because there's an art behind branding when you do it well. It takes into consideration all these other tonations of what we want to share with the world, this feeling, this curiosity, this, place that we want to explore and how we want to leave people understanding us. And it can, it has the power to, on so many different layers and so many different ways, convey this message. So branding is an interesting part of this. And that's both in the way we talk about ourselves, the colors we use and the fonts we use and the, all the design pieces behind us, just how people land on us, how people understand us and how invited they feel to get to know us more and how much permission they feel to 
explore other things and learn different parts about themselves and know that they can come back because you're always going to be a nice, safe place to land. So this is just a piece of how I think about relationships in general and what makes relationships feel safe. You know, when I think about some of the safest relationships in my life, I think of my grandparents. I think of my grandmother, Erica. Now, a little bit of backstory on her. She was a Holocaust survivor who had a lot of OCD tendencies. She had been in and out of different hospitals in the years after World War II. Sometimes they didn't call them hospitals back then. What did they call them? They were like spas or some kind of getaway where she had like electroshock therapy and who knows what other treatments. PTSD was not yet a diagnosis. And well, she kept a lot of stories locked inside. She didn't share them with anyone. She was constantly tormented by them. She would have nightmares. And so this is a woman who I saw the insides of, I understood. And yet somehow she managed to make me feel safer than anyone else in the world. With all of this turmoil happening inside of her, she was my safe place. How was it possible for her to be that? So I was always so curious about her. Like I wanted to be inside of her heart. I wanted to understand her. So I spent a lot of time trying to do that in deep conversation with her, just sitting with her and observing her. And, you know, one of the things I noticed that she did, this was very like more, you probably would have noticed this too, if you were with us, if she got a bad thought in her head, she would walk around in circles or walk back and forth into a door or wash her hands. And she would keep doing these things until the thought went away. And when it did, she would take her next functional step forward. She just didn't move on beyond these moments. Like she had found her own holistic way to deal with all of the ish that she couldn't let go of. Like it was there. She couldn't let go of it. She had her stories. We all have our stories. She had hers. They were horrible. And she would dance through her process of walking in circles and circles and circles physically until the thought would let her move forward. And then she would take, take a really courageous step forward. And so this is the woman who created safe places for me. And I remember this one time when I was maybe in, in high school and I was furious at her. She must have set some boundary or grounded me when my parents were away. And I was, oh, grandma, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I, one of those teenage rage moments. And this moment I'll never forget. This is ingrained in the essence of who I am. She looked at me and spread her arms and had all of this twinkly love in her eyes. And it was almost as though her heart glowed like a full moon that just draws you in. And she said, I know you do right now, Mama Lashina, and I'll always love you. And those words, I'll always love you, like knowing that I hated her and continuing to be my safe place. That was what made me feel safe in the world with her. That was what created security. Oh my gosh. You know, I don't know if I've ever spoken that story, not in that way. So forgive me while I sit here and like have a moment and let my palms get all sweaty and shake them out a little bit. 
letting myself speak. It's this is scary and wonderful. <sighs> so this is the practice of being seen. And hopefully, hopefully you will start to understand what I mean about the confrontation and <sighs> being able and willing and ready the bravery it all takes to go to those ished places and and see what you can work with, what you can rewire. How can you walk in your circles and then take that next brave step forward? How do you become a place of security in this crazy world? How do you contribute to that story? That's the practice of being seen. And so I'm going to take you on this journey. And the only way that I know how to do that is through my eyes. I'm going to take you on this journey and you're going to hear how I think. I'll try to share as much of my own inner workings with you as possible. And I might sometimes fail to do that. <laughs> and so if you get curious, if there's something you want to know more about, if there's something that I didn't cover or didn't explain, or you just, you're curious, then do me a favor and write in. Let me know what you want more of. I want this to be a conversation. I want to hear from you. And as we talk to more and more amazing people on the show, yourselves included, I want that to shape how I see the world. And I want to share, again, my messy process with you. On season two, I also want to make sure that we are taking a deep dive into other in-between shadowy places, into our own biases, our own prejudices, the things that we struggle to even see within ourselves. I want to make sure that we're having conversations around racial and sexual identity, that we are talking about religion, that we're talking about oh, pretty much everything that anyone can feel othered by as a human. Because that's the thing we do, right? We look at the world through our lens and anybody that's not like us, well, they're different and we don't understand them. And what do we do when we don't understand people? What do you do? It's not so comfortable to think about all the time. And yet it's a reality. And if we want to do that crazy thing, changing the world, it's not fair for us to want everyone else to change it, but not to take that responsibility to change it ourselves. So where are the places that your privilege shows up? How do you other people who aren't like you? And how can you show up and bring your voice to this conversation? It's a pretty important one right now, I'd say. So we're going to be going there. We're going to be getting a little bit uncomfortable. The season's not going to start there. But I promise that will go there. And if you have an amazing person in mind, or if you're an amazing person that I need to talk to, well, then I want to know you. So please do me the favor of heading over to the practice of slash feedback and send me a note. Give me some feedback. Tell me who I need to talk to. Send me your website. Send me somebody else's website. Tell me what kind of conversations I'm missing that you need to hear. I'm listening. We also invite you to join our Facebook community. If you head over to practiceofbeingseen.com slash community, there'll be a link to join us there. So I hope that you're going to enjoy this journey, the practice of being seen, and join me 
on your own journey along the way. Thank you again for joining me on this first episode of season two of the Practice of Being Seen podcast. It is so exciting to be back and to be launching into this new season and taking this new direction. I'm really excited to receive your feedback and to hear more about your journey also. So please don't forget to drop me a note over at practiceofbeingseen.com slash feedback. I really want to hear from you. And also join our Facebook community. You can find that at practiceofbeingseen.com slash community. Links to both of these are in our show notes. For the first time this fall, I'm going to be launching the Connectfulness Method Mentorship Program for Therapists. I am over the moon excited about putting this out into the world. I've been working on it for quite some time, and even just saying it right now to you makes my palms sweat. Um, The level of excitement of being able to bring this to life is amazing. (laughs) So anyway, there is a link to learn more about it in the show notes. If you're somebody, if you're a therapist who wants, if you're a therapist who has been craving a more deeply integrated journey, a journey that helps you meld together all the personal and professional parts of yourselves, then this is for you. So it's coming later this fall. I'll be announcing it more on the show, but in the meantime, you can learn more through my mailing list. And there's a link to learn more about that in the show notes. So don't don't hesitate. Do sign up and learn more about it. And as always, I'd love for you to subscribe to the show. Your reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts, really help us to get the word out and to share the show with more listeners. The Practice of Being Seen is produced by me, Rebecca Wong, along with the support of my amazing behind-the-scenes team, Nicole Stevenson and Christy Hausler. Music is written by Christopher Ferris and produced at Kidneystone Studio. We hope that you enjoyed the show and will join us next week for another episode of the Pobscast, brought to you by Connectfulness.